Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sound at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is Patrick Murphy of Massive Report. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I am sorry, do you go by Pat or Patrick? Either one is fine. Uh, All right. You know, people call Sorry me. if I'm being overly formal by using <laughs> no. your, your full name there. No, all good, all good. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. This game is one that I think at the beginning of the season, probably everyone circled as a big one, right? Uh, Sounders crew uh, rematch, lower dot, you know, brand new stadium, lower.com field. A uh, lot of energy, a lot of hype. And then we come into this one and you realize it's at the end of a three-game week for both teams. Uh, and on top of that, the crew are in a bit of a, a tough spot right now, uh, losing five straight. And we just found out today that uh, Giasa Zardes is going to be out two to four weeks uh, with, a, with an injury. Um, what, what is the state of the crew and, and what's, what do you think the, the mood is coming into this game? Yeah, by a bit of a tough stretch, you put it lightly there. Um... You mentioned the five losses in a row. That's now uh, second longest for a defending MLS Cup champion. I think the Galaxy in 2006 went seven yeah. games. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not uh, it's not been great the last – it's really not been great the whole season. Um, you know, they started off fine dealing with Champions League stuff, um, getting a few draws, but there's been – a very much a lack of continuity with this team. Um, injuries, national team call-ups. I was talking with uh, a friend the other day about it and we realized, you know, what would, what coming into the season on paper was this team's best 11 hasn't played together at this point. Um, you know, with, with Kevin Molino, who was their big free agent offseason signing, he missed the first two months of the season. Um, our tour has been in and out of the lineup early in the year and, um, you know, key cog in, in the center of the park. And, and now he's been out for an extended period of time. Giassi Zardes with the national team. And as you mentioned, he's now going to be out. Um, so that has, I think, frustrated Caleb Porter the most is I, on paper, this is probably one of the better teams in MLS and, you know, should be in that conversation to be back in the playoffs and making another run at it. But they just haven't been able to get this group all together at once. And, you know, with the way the season's been training, hasn't been as consistent as they would have liked it and, and whatnot. And, you know, that, I think those all kind of come across as excuses because every team in the league is dealing with some form of these, these issues. But, um, you know, I think it's just really affected uh, this team. And, and, you know, you also have the, the championship hangover and, and whatnot. I mean, you know, we don't see many teams repeat in this league. Right. So um, I think kind of a combination of, of all of those things, uh, you know, for a while they were finding ways to get results more often than not. And then this last five game stretch has been really weird. 
Um, you know, the, some of these games they've, they've, and even before they started losing, um, you know, the first game at lower.com field against new England, they go down two goals in the first half and have to claw their way back. And the same thing at Cincinnati. So it's just been a strange year. The, the defense started off really strong and, and then sort of dropped off um, and looked better the last two games. The offense doesn't seem to create as many chances as they were doing a year ago. Um, so I think some of it certainly has to do with the continuity I mentioned, but you know, the rest of it is kind of that you can't quite put your finger on what's wrong. And, and I think that's been kind of the, the issue with, with the staff is trying to figure out, okay, where is, what, what do we do to plug this hole in this hole? And how do we, how do we get this thing back on the right track? Yeah. One of the things that struck me, especially as an outside observer and someone that's not frankly paying super close attention to the crew is that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, the talk at the national punditry level was, is this the best team of all time? Like not just are the crew going to repeat, but like how much are they going to blow the league out of the water? You know, and you, and it was not hard to get caught up in that, that hype. I don't think, you know, you look at their, their, the way they ran through the playoffs, the way they absolutely demolished Seattle, frankly, in MLS cup final. And then in the off season, unlike most MLS cup winning teams, they added talent, you know, they, they added Kevin Molino, they added Bradley White, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, uh, they added Perry Kitchen, they added, uh, you know, you could go down the, they added the U22 kid who, whose name I'm totally not yeah, remembering. Alexander Matan. And has he, has he played much? Yeah, he actually at one point was the only player who had played in every single game. Oh, okay. Um, he's been a sub more often than not, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, your list, the list you just gave off, I mean, I think certainly, and I know locally that was a, a thought too. I think crew fans are always cautious to get too far ahead of themselves um, just because this hasn't been a team that has consistently contended. Um, but at the same time, now that they have lost a few in the row, fans are freaking out. So like there was a sense of, you know, we, we should be playing better than, than they have been of late. Um, it's, I mean, it was probably getting a little ahead of, of the national narrative because some of these guys are old. I mean, let's be frank. Right. And Bradley Wright Phillips is 36. Eventually, he was going to start to fall off, um, and especially if he was going to be used in a bigger role, and then, you know, even then he was in L.A. last year, um, and he's had to do that with, with Giassi out, and then he got hurt as well. So, um, you know, Kevin Molino, well, you know, not old, but – 30 years old in an MLS, um, you know, a guy who's already battled injuries in his career. You know, I think that's part of it as well. I mean, the crew is the oldest team in the league by on average by over a year. So, wow. you know, I think that that has played a part in some of these injuries and, you know, is it a veteran team or is it too old? And I think that's kind of been something that maybe they've found out is they're a little bit too old. And even coming this season, Caleb Porter mentioned, you know, wanting to get younger. And, and when they added Matan, that was kind of a, a thing that was highlighted there. Um, but, you know, I think it was, it was hard to reshape the roster in, in a ton of different ways because they weren't able to do as much scouting in person as they wanted to. Um, and again, every team faced the same problem with COVID and whatnot. Um, so they did target more of the guys that were in the league. And I think, you know, when, when you have a team uh, coming off a championship – it's usually veteran guys that want to, you know, join up, so to speak. Sure. Um, you see it in other sports all the time. And, you know, so that was, was kind of their best option. And, and it looked great on paper. It just hasn't panned out so far. 
Yeah, and I think the thing that's been the most surprising is is just that the offense has been as lackluster as it's been. Uh, again, you know, I think a lot of the reasons people were so in so bullish on on the crew coming into the season was you look at what they did in the playoffs and you thought, okay, if they add firepower to that, this is going to be an unstoppable offense. And in, and it's been kind of the opposite. I just saw a stat today that they've got you know they've been shut out twice in a row coming into this game. But that's the fourth time this year that they've been shut out in back-to-back games. And that's something that I don't think ever happened last season uh, yeah. or maybe only happened once last season. Right. Uh, but, you know, in, in, like if we look at Lucas Zellerayan, for instance, would you say that he has been able to build on last season to the degree that, that you expected? I think to, to some degree, you know, early in the season, he was their offense. And it was clear that teams were targeting him. I, you know, I think of the Philadelphia game to start the season. Philly basically kept two guys around him at all time. He was moving way far out to the wings just to get the ball and, and run at guys and things like that. Um, and, you know, he's, his statistics look good. He scored four free kick goals, which really, you know, kind of kept the crew in some of these games early in the season. Um, I do think at times he's pressing, you know, I think he feels that burden and some of the guys actually were talking today about kind of lessening that Darlington Nagby uh, in particular, um, you know, lessening that burden on him because he gets on the ball and, and you can tell sometimes he's just trying to do too much. And I wonder if, you know, being the, the highest signed player for the crew and then having the success he did last year, like you said, he feels the need to build on that as opposed to just playing and then on top of that, you're not getting the same production from, from Zardes, partly because he hasn't been with the team. Um, you know, the, the wingers haven't delivered. Pedro Santos hasn't played as well in terms of production um, as he has in the past. Kevin Molino hasn't been quite the player that they thought they were getting. Um, there hasn't been much service from the fullbacks, which is a big part of the way the crew have attacked teams in the past, is, is getting those fullbacks forward. Harrison Awful is, is 35, 36, um, still effective, but just can't do it every game anymore. Uh, Milton Valenzuela has been hurt uh, throughout the season. So, you know, they, they just haven't gotten that production on the wings that gets the balls into Zardes and things like that. So I, I think that Zellerayan has kind of felt like he needs to take it all on himself. And, and that's sometimes led to him being not as good just because he's trying to do too much. Well, uh, you know, one thing I, I, I tried to put this to Brian Schmetzer today at the at the press conference, and I'm curious your take on it. And if this is something that's been talked about at all with the crew is that you know, if you look at the way that the Sounders and crew came into MLS Cup last year, the Sounders ended up going into the game, I think, as favorites, not necessarily because they were clearly the better team, but because the crew seemed so shorthanded. They were missing Darlington Nagme. They were missing Pedro Santos. They were missing another player too, right? Those two were out with COVID. Um, I think those were the only two main guys. Okay. So, but anyway, they were, they were shorthanded and and I think the crew were able to kind of like internalize that and sort of like us against the world kind of mentality. And they, they obviously put a pretty bad beating on the Sounders Uh, biggest, not that I need to remind any of our listeners, but biggest blowout in MLS cup history. Uh, But is that is there some of that maybe that they can use as motivation for this one that it's like yeah we're down but we were down last year in MLS Cup too and look how that turned out. I think so to some degree. I I also think that they are aware, you know, a win here in this game against a hot Sounders team 
you know, second in the supporter shield. While it doesn't fix the last five games, it's, it's, it would be a morale booster for sure. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Mensa said today that any win at this point would, would be a morale booster and whether that'd come, you know, Wednesday against New York. Um, but I do get the sense that, you know, getting a good win, not just a win, but getting a good win and, and kind of playing the way they want to play would be big for this team. Um, you know, I think the whole being down guys this year was kind of sold in, in the way you talked of you know, a rallying point early, but it's just been so consistent that like, you can't really rally around it too long. You know, it just right. hasn't, you've kind of gone too far with it just because there's been so many injuries and, and things like that. Um, you know, I do think this will be a game, obviously the Sounders are going to be motivated, no doubt about that. Um, I do think this will be a game that the crew, I expect at least that the crew will be maybe more fired up, more focused. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning, this is, you know, the third game in, in an eight day stretch for both teams. So it's hard to, you know, kind of do all the things you want in training for, for a big game like that, I think. But, you know, I, today they seemed that we didn't get to see much of practice, but it did just seem like there was a little bit of an edge um, that, that maybe they've been lacking. And, you know, I think part of that's probably that's the Sounders, but also part of it is, hey, we need to get out of this slump. Um, you know, they, they realize, you know, you're out of the playoff picture right now. And, you know, yes, there's 14 games left, but, you know, there's, there's certainly work to be made up if they want to finish in that top three, four spot that they talked about, you know, even early on this season. So one of the moving outside of it, this is a little bit more of a, of a psychological question, but I'm, okay. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, do you get a sense that Caleb Porter has been at all introspective about this, uh, this reality that, you know, they, that his teams have never made the playoffs two years in a row that like yeah. he's had these highs and then they're followed by pretty extreme lows. Uh, has he talked about that? And do you get the sense that it's something that, that, that he's like considered. I saw your tweet about this earlier today, actually. And I was talking about it with a couple of our other guys. Um, Cause I thought you might ask me about it. So <laughs> I th- no, I do not think that Caleb, I'm sure he's aware of this fact because he's a pretty cerebral guy when it comes to these things, but I don't, he's never brought it up. It's, it's never been brought up to him uh, as far as I know. Uh, you know, I think at some point this, you know, especially if they miss the playoffs this year, it's something to, to discuss. Um, but, you know, I think it's, I would have liked to really gone back and look at, you know, what are some of the other coaches in the, you know, the, the guys that you consider top coaches that have been around the league for a long time. Um, you know, what is their kind of track record look like? Um, you know, is this a thing or is it just how things have kind of worked out with, with his teams? I think it would take a bit more of a deep dive to really look into the, the kind of ins and outs and the whys of it. Um, you know, Caleb is very intense and I'm sure, you know, Sounders fans are aware of this from his time in Portland. And so, you know, there, I think there could be sort of a, a burnout factor with some of the, some of the teams, you know, you, you get there and it's a lot of motivation and, and things like that. And then you come back the next year and it's a lot, you know, a lot of the same stuff. And how do you, how do you kind of motivate the guys the same way? And this is entirely speculation. This isn't, you know, me talking think- about. But I think you might be getting I, that. That's interesting because I think there might actually be something to that uh, because I can see if you're I mean, on some level, I think it's a statistical anomaly. Like sure. it's it's probably not a lot there. But if there is something, I, I think you might be on something. But go on. I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, no. And, 
you know, I think, you know, it's just with the way he coaches, you know, I think it, it, it certainly could be that now, I think there are probably some of his teams that probably should have still made the postseason, um, you know, and I, I agree with you. That was kind of where I was going with it was that, you know, even if that is the case, he probably has still had talent and been, you know, been close enough in time. Um, you know, I also think he's one of a few coaches, I think, in the league to win multiple with with different teams. So like, I think maybe only he might be only one of two. I, yeah. I actually, I think him and and Bruce Arena may be the only. And Ziggy. Oh yes, you're right. No Ziggy, Ziggy. One with the Galaxy, one with the Crew. Oh, I you're believe. right. Yeah, yeah, you're no, you're you're totally right. So him, Ziggy, and um and Bruce are the only three coaches I think that have won two with two different teams or have won right. with two different teams. And there's only and and to be fair to him, there, I think the only other coaches to have won more than one are Brian Schmetzer and. Um, why am I blanking on his name right now? The old Houston Dynamo coach, uh, oh, uh, Dom Kinnear. Dom Kinnear, yes. Yeah, uh, so I think that there's, you know, like, I think they, you kind of have to have the conversation on both sides, but I do think it's, it is interesting. And, you know, even Caleb pointed out recently, and he didn't mean it in this sense, but, you know, he pointed out that both him and, and Tim Bezbachenko, the president and general manager, have experience with, you know, coming off MLS championship teams and having a team struggle. Um, he was with Toronto after they won. And his point at the time was, you know, at that point they were still in a good spot. I think they were fourth in the table and in the East. And his point was that, you know, we, we've had, we have experience with this, but now looking back on that comment, it's like, well, is there something to why that didn't work for both of you separately and is now not working for both of you here and, you know, I think that's kind of a, a question for them at the end of the season about like, mm. you know, how have you handled this differently than what you did in Toronto and Portland? And why didn't it work this year? If, if in fact they don't make the playoffs. So uh, yeah, I thought your tweet was interesting. It, it, it did get conversation going on our end. And, you know, that was kind of the, the only thing I could come up with was like, maybe he just burned some guys out. But again, with the crew, like, they added some pieces that you would have thought would have been hungry and, you know, a Kevin, yeah. you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, um, you know, Perry kitchen, who's worked with Caleb before he was his college coach. Uh, so, you know, I, that, that might be a reason, but it's really, you know, that's just kind of speculation on my part. No. And I think it's, I mean, it's beyond obvious. I think that, that Caleb is clearly a very smart, uh, talented coach uh, it is and it is and I I mean I, I'm inclined to believe that there's some statistical anomaly there especially since you know kind of what makes it uh makes it work is that the year after they had it you know he had a good run with the Timbers and he he stepped down while they were still in a good place yeah. and then took a year off and then the first year with the crew was not really his making of that team but uh in any case it's a, it's an interesting thing um I I, I always think it's, you know, Caleb is an interesting coach. Yeah. Uh, I, I am curious. Do you get the sense that like, how seriously do you think he takes statistical analysis? This is kind of a random question, but he, like on one hand, he seems like the kind of coach who would be really into sort of cutting edge analysis. But on the other hand, he seems to kind of like either purposefully or not. I, I don't know if he misunderstands it or if he is, just like kind of giving people a hard time about using it. Yeah. I, I think, it, I think they certainly do use it. Um, he's pointed out a couple times this year when expected goals or some of the other like advanced analytics have been brought up that, you know, 
well, we use, we use a different system or we, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so, you know, I don't know what they're using internally. I assume it's the same thing across the league that, you know, the media doesn't necessarily have access to, right. but, um, you know, so, so he's kind of challenged that by using his own, <laughs> uh, you know, metrics. Um, so yeah, they, they definitely use it. Um, you know, I don't know if he uses it as much as like, you know, just speaking from experience, like a Greg Berhalter who used right. to, you know, cite that stuff all the time. And, and that was huge in what they did. Uh, but it's definitely a part of what they do, uh, you know, and, he, and he's brought it up a handful of times. But I also think he's kind of got some of that old school, you know, Indiana football or Indiana soccer, you know, program in him where he played and coached, where it's like some of it's more feel and what you see and, and things like that. Um, so I do think it's kind of a balancing act for him. And, you know, sometimes it's one way and sometimes it's the other. And, you know, sometimes it's what, you know, fits the explanation he wants to give on something too, which um, he's very good at, you know, having, you know, regardless of what we ask him sometimes post game, uh, you know, the, the narrative he wants to get across will get across in that press conference. So sometimes it's, you know, if, if analytics don't back it up, it's, you know, Hey, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and here's what I saw type of thing. No, I, I think he's a fascinating character. And that's part of sure. what, I mean, like, as much as like, I like to give him a hard time, I, I am kind of fascinated by him. And I think he's, he's really interesting. And he's got some uh, interesting perspectives. Uh, before I let you go, I, I am curious, you know, you, you're in a unique position in that you have uh, covered a team that has had two of the more prominent coaches in, in American soccer, uh, current American soccer and in, in Caleb Porter and Greg Berhalter. Mm-hmm. How are they different? How are they similar? Uh, they are as, as people very different. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but Greg was much more of a, you know, put your arms around the player type of coach, uh, you know, players coach, whereas Caleb is more the, you know, get on his guys. You know, I, I don't know if I ever heard in, you know, the availabilities that we got Greg, you know, go off on a guy. And that Hmm. certainly happens under Caleb. And I think, you know, you mentioned 2019 didn't go well for the crew. I think that was a big adjustment. I think Caleb needs his type of players, guys that can take that and, and go with it. Whereas some of the guys on the crew, especially some of the young guys at the time were much more Greg's guys. Um, you know, I think from a, a soccer mind standpoint, they, they both are, you know, they both have really good insight into the game. Um, it's been really interesting these last, uh, since 2014, talking to both of them, especially, you know, after practice, um, you know, after interviews, just kind of shooting the, the crap uh, and like listening to them discuss soccer because they both just see it in a way that I think the average person and, and myself included, you know, doesn't. And they point things out that, that I wouldn't have, have noticed and, and things like that. So, um, you know, they're similar in that way, but just in terms of the, the daily man management, you know, Greg was much more a player's coach and Caleb, um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want to make it sound like Caleb doesn't love his guys. I talked to, you know, multiple guys after the championship about, you know, the, the way he celebrated with them and everything, but it's just different. And, um, you know, I think Greg having played more recently too, probably had prominently, obviously. Right, right, right. And, you know, he played under Bruce who, while from my understanding, doesn't come across as the most friendly guy, especially to us media folk, um, you know, can be great with his guys and can be funny and things like that. So yeah, um, yeah, I think, 
I think that's probably the biggest difference. Um, you know, it was, it was great having Greg here and I had heard, you know, Caleb's stories from, uh, you know, some of our guys out in Portland and things like that before he got here, but Caleb's also been great. You know, he, he's, uh, you know, always willing to, to discuss things. He's, you know, a lot of it is, is explaining, uh, you know, why he did things like that. And a lot of that's off the record stuff, but, um, you know, that they're, they have their similarities, but I would say just as people, they're, they're different in terms of the day to day. Yeah. I've, I've heard, you know, actually uh, people that have covered Caleb on a day-to-day basis actually tend to really respect him and, and like him, even if he, it can be come off really prickly in press conferences uh, and a little know-it-all. He, he also feel, I also get the sense that he, he deeply wants to help people understand what he's seeing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an admirable thing about a coach. And it's something that I don't think, all coaches do. And I think that it's something that, especially in American soccer culture, we could use probably more Caleb Porters uh, that want to help people understand, even if they don't do it in like the nicest way. I think he, he comes at it from a genuine perspective. So sure. um, anyway, I just, for some reason I felt compelled to say that, but I think you're right. Huh? I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think he definitely would like, you know, for good or bad, he would like people to see what he saw in any, right. you know, whether it's a practice, whether it's a game. Um, and, you know, I mean, as we talked about earlier, the guy is, has been successful. He's won aside from the Olympic team. I think he's won everywhere he's been. So, you know, certainly the way he sees it is, is valuable. Uh, but, you know, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it does come off wrong. And I think that's the value of having these, those off the record conversations because it's, you know, less contentious when you're not standing there with a microphone and you can kind of go back and forth. Absolutely. Well, uh, Patrick, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I always love uh, talking about the crew and uh, Caleb Porter. So uh, I appreciate it. But where where can people follow you aside from Massive Report? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. Uh, Unfortunately, Patrick Murphy, it's not the easiest name to get a Twitter handle for. So (laughs) There's other Patrick Murphy's. Yeah, a couple of them out there. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the spot. All right. Well, that's good to good to know. And uh, massive report. I really hope people are aware of that. It is uh, it is seriously one of the the more informative MLS sites on SB Nation, and probably one of the more informative uh, sites covering every any any MLS team anywhere. So uh, I really think you guys do great work there, and I hope people are are checking you out, especially this week. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we'll keep trucking along, even if the team's losing. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, you're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.